0: We're talking about the Falcons' new defensive scheme under Ryan Nielsen. And that means we have to talk about the ways that he'll try to enhance the Falcons' pass rush this season. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank each and every one of you that makes us your first listen each and every day. Of course, we give a shout out to the everydayers out there, follow in their blueprint in their footsteps by subscribing and following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode is piggybacking on yesterday's topic, where we discussed how coverage was more indicative of defensive schemes in today's NFL than necessarily what your fronts are, i.e. meaning that, you know, how much cover two you run versus cover three matters a little bit more than you know, are you a 4-3 versus a 3-4? But a factor that I didn't talk about when it comes to defining defensive schemes on yesterday's episode that I didn't realize until after recording yesterday's episode that is worth touching upon that also defines defensive schemes is how much pressure you bring, right? And more accurately, how do you find ways to generate pressure? You know, are you relying on four down linemen? are you bringing lots of blitzes and more importantly on today's episode, simulated pressures, right? And the way that we'll set up this conversation, when we talk about Ryan Nielsen, the new Falcons defensive coordinator scheme and some of the ways that he may uh, make changes to what the Falcons have done in the past. I think we have to revisit the castle siege analogy that I've often used to illustrate, you know, how offensive defense works in the NFL. And, usually this analogy is meant by me to basically illustrate why defensive play calling and defensive scheme is not as meaningful as the quote unquote personnel and or execution on defense is uh, in a nutshell, basically the Jimmy's and Joe's matter more on defense than the X's and O's or execution matters more than play calling as a one way to describe it. And that will continue today. Um, but, you know, that analogy basically boils down to you got to think of offense and defense as, you know, a castle under siege, right? The offense are the people attacking, the defense are the people defending, right? And the reason why play calling matters less on defense um, is because the defenders are at a disadvantage because they always have to react to how the offense is attacking the castle. So if the offense attacks the front gate, they have to defend it. If they attack the back gate, they got to defend that. If they attack both gates, they got to defend both gates. If the offense is using siege towers and siege weapons like catapults and trebuchets, if they're trying to use ladders to go over the walls or they're maybe digging tunnels to go under the walls or through the walls by collapsing them with those siege weapons, the defense has to be prepared to defend all of those things. Right. And so essentially execution boils down to the physical act of repelling, regardless of how the offense attacks it, rather than some grand overall, all encompassing winning strategy, which would be play calling in this instance. And that's why defense is going to always be at a disadvantage to offense. However, students of history also know that there is probably one instance in this analogy and using a castle siege as our metaphor analogy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Where the defense can kind of go on the offense and that when it comes to football is when we talk about pressure or more accurately blitzing. Right. And that is the equivalent in this castle analogy of sort of having the defenders sally out, as they say, on their horses or whatever, and go on this epic cavalry charge to charge the enemy at night or whatever when they're sleeping to destroy some of those siege equipment or some of those siege weapons or to whittle down their numbers or whatever and that's kind of the equivalent in football for a defense according to kind of taking the initiative by dialing up pressure because offenses have to react to that type of pressure to that blitz right that you know oftentimes that results in Offense is needing to get the ball out quicker and and having sort of predetermined hot reads and whatnot. And so therefore, the defense can kind of dictate in those instances what the offense is trying to do. The problem with this, of course, for defense is you can't play that style. You can't do that all, all the time. Right. You have to pick and choose your spots. Right. Because it's kind of the notion of, you know, particularly when it comes to the blitz, you kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. And it still works with this analogy. Right, where if the attackers or the offense, uh, in this case, see, sees it coming, sees the blitz coming, sees this pressure coming, they can be prepared for it, right, and destroy you, it, right. It's the equivalent of if you're going to do a cavalry charge, you know, it just set down some caltrops and boom, your your charge goes for nothing, or we'll set up some pikes or or something like that. Again, so those of you that are students of history uh, can think of some examples, but you know, I, I think understanding that. Now we'll get into the conversation of sort of how Ryan Nielsen is going to utilize these in comparison specifically to DMPs, right? And we'll discuss the ways that Ryan Nielsen will try to go on the offensive in terms of bringing that pressure. And that's going to get us into a conversation that we had, I think, exactly a year ago. I think we did the the June 12th episode of last year uh, where we talked about, you know, Sims and Creepers and what DMPs would do with, quote unquote, 100% of the defense, and we'll talk about how that applies to Ryan Nielsen and what the expectations are for him with utilizing Sims and creepers and all this simulated pressure and blitzes and all these various things as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. But first, guys, let's talk about Fanduel, and uh, of course, we have potentially one more game uh, as of tonight. Uh, one, you know, game five of the NBA Finals, and it's the perfect time to make a fast break to Fanduel where you can get. A no-sweat first bet if you're a new customer of up to $2,500. That means you get twenty up to $2,500 back in bonus bets, even if your first bet doesn't win. And you can use that to bet on Game 5. You can use that to bet on, I think, this week's or next week's uh, NBA draft. I, I forget which weeks. You know, all these June weeks blur together. You can use it to bet on the NFL season uh, or, you know, the Falcons winning the NFC South. B. John Robinson, still the odds-on favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year, or you can bet on baseball, tennis, golf, whatever you want. FanDuel is the great place to go because it's America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and you'll get your no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So uh, before we talk about Ryan Nielsen. We'll we'll go back to an episode of the athletic football show featuring Nate Dice and Robert Mays that I listened to last month. That they talked about some of the things that Nielsen will do in in differently than Dean Pees. And in that episode, and I wasn't able to confirm this because I don't have access to True Media or wh- wherever they got this information from. But um, you know, on that episode, they talked about how the Falcons over the last two years have done we second in the NFL, only behind, I think, the Broncos was the team that they mentioned in terms of simulated pressures, right? And the Saints during that time, where Ryan Nilsen was, of course, was the D-line coach, uh, and Dennis Allen was the, play, the defensive play caller, uh, were in the top 10 in simulated pressures. And the other thing that they pointed out in that episode, which goes back to something we talked about on yesterday's episode, the Saints were fourth highest man coverage rate on early downs, so first and second down in 2022 while the Falcons were 21st in that metric. So again, the expectation is that we will see the Falcons dial up their man coverage like we talked about on yesterday's episode, um, even though the Saints and Falcons third down man coverage rates were roughly similar, which I imagine generally speaking in the league, most teams are kind of hovering in the same ballpark when it comes to third down man coverage rates. But, um, you know, the whole simulated pressures thing brings us to Creepers and Sims. And again, as I said earlier, we talked about this pretty much exactly a year ago when we were talking about DMPs installing 100% of the defense in 2022. And we talked about this earlier this offseason. I think when we talked about Caden Ellis potentially getting 10 sacks, we'll revisit that topic on today's episode. But we'll use the uh, definition put out there by Ted Nguyen of The Athletic in 2021 in an article he wrote all about this. And he basically summarized it as Sims and Creepers are both four-man rushes that bring that involve bringing one or two second or third level defenders while dropping one or two first level defenders. So an example would be blitzing inside linebacker while dropping a defensive lineman. And then he had a context from Chris Vassar, who said some people separate them as creepers or zones and Sims are man creepers. We're not showing pressure Sims. We are showing pressure. So, um, you know, for those of you that that all sounded like gobbledygook to you, uh, basically, you know, We'll we'll use my definition. I'll take those definitions and explain it. Creepers are, when you're in zone coverage, you bring four man and those second and third level defenders, those are linebackers and defensive backs. So you're you're bringing, the classic example of that is a nickel cornerback blitz, right? Where you bring that nickel corner, you drop the edge rusher to cover the flat, right? The Sims are usually what will happen is you will show pressure by putting the linebackers in the A-gap. So you'll have, six or more players on the line of scrimmage and the offense is confused on who's coming. Right. And you'll bring four of those guys, which will include a linebacker, possibly a corner, sometimes a safety. uh, If you're, if you're, you know, feeling freaky or whatever, Um, but, um, and you know, you'll drop some of those D linemen in that. So um, we broke this down last year on, on the episode and we noted how Dean Pease was a much bigger fan of creepers then he was Sims because Dean Peace loves his own coverage, right? And, you know, that was evidenced by the fact that the Falcons um, in 2022 dialed back their man coverage. And I went back and uh, went through all my notes because uh, I charted defense last year. And by my count, the Falcons only ran 15 Sims the entire season, uh, which are those four man pressure concepts when they were in man coverage. And eight of those 15 came against Tom Brady in the two games against Tom Brady. Uh, on the other hand, the Falcons ran 65 Creepers uh, with a large percentage of those coming against Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert, the, the best quarterbacks on their schedule last year. Over half of their Creepers came in just those four games, twice against Brady, once against the Bengals, and then the other against the Chargers. And what was notable about that is after that Chargers game, the Falcons really dialed back the number of Creepers that they had Like outside of that week 18 game that they had against Brady over the final other final seven games of 2022, they only ran nine creepers during that span. And so, the expectation I have when it comes to Ryan Nielsen and the change that he'll have, because of the expectation that we'll see a significant higher rate of man coverage for this team, we'll also see a lot more Sims, right? Those four man pressure concepts when the Falcons are playing man coverage, right? And that was a staple of the Saints. And that goes back to the conversation we had earlier about. Caden Ellis and his potential to take off in this scheme and be heavily involved in the pass rush. And, you know, there'll be plenty of situations probably on third downs where he's kind of that fourth rusher, right? That the Falcons are in their nickel defense and he's the fourth rusher. He's lined up in the A gap alongside Troy Anderson. And it looks like any of the six guys or seven guys in certain cases in the box could be coming on a given play, but only four of them will go, come, you know, Kane Nelson might be one of those. Grady Jarrett will probably certainly be the other more often than not. And then there's just a question of who the other two guys are going to be. And that will be, sometimes that will be Arnold Abiketti. Sometimes that will be D- David Anyamana, Sometimes that will be Calais Campbell. Sometimes that will be other players, right? As ways to sort of mix things up and disguise things. Um, and I think we'll see quite a bit of that this upcoming season, From Ryan Nielsen as a probably the biggest change when it comes, sorry, when it comes to what Ryan Nielsen is going to do versus what Dean Pease is going to do, and that's not going to be every third down, every single game, every single week, or whatever. Um, But it's probably going to be something that you know, depending on the matchup, you know, probably similar to how we saw last year with Dean Pease, heavily dependent on who the quarterback the Falcons are facing. In the given week, like the better quarterbacks, they're going to try to mix things up, right? Because you don't want to necessarily blitz a ton because that's one of the things that the high level quarterbacks, they will see it coming and they will, you know, as they say, live by the sword and especially make you die by the sword in that instance. So when we face, say, an Aaron Rodgers this upcoming season, that's going to be a concern, but you don't want to necessarily blitz. and, And when we're saying blitz on today's episode, we're talking about bringing five or more guys all right, So you don't want to blitz those guys a ton, but you also don't want to necessarily just sit back and just rush with your vanilla four man rushers. You want to change things up. You don't want to be static in terms of what you're doing um, up front and on the back end to try to at least slow those guys down. And so those are going to be instances like we saw last year with Brady versus Burrow versus Herbert where the Falcons may bring more simulated pressures. And again, some weeks that might be five times, some weeks that may be a dozen or more times, right? It will just kind of depend on the matchup. So this will be certainly an element of Ryan Nielsen's uh, playbook that will be slightly different from Dean P's, because Dean did preferred that zone coverage and preferred bringing that pressure in those situations. And it'll be interesting to see sort of exactly where Ryan Nielsen, how, how much of this, how big a part, of his defense is this going to be, you know, does he have the personnel in his eyes to, you know, spam this uh to the degree that he could, or or does he dial back? Again, those are going to be unknowns at this point in time. But we'll wrap up today's episode talking more about what the expectations for the Falcons pass rush is going to be. Um, now that we have a, a little bit of a better understanding of some of the things that Ryan Nielsen's gonna do, but also talk a, about why simulated pressures and scheme, you know you know, and, and why defensive success, despite those things, uh, still kind of boils down to execution. And we'll get into that as we continue today's episode. But once again, I want to give a shout out to my everydayers that tune in each and every day. And for tomorrow's episode, we're reaching the point in time, if I'm being completely honest, where I don't really have plans for episodes. Uh, you know, I got uh, DeMarco Hellens and the Jovan Gwynn breakdown to do at some point later this month. We'll probably pivot towards training camp and positional previews and whatnot, but that's maybe the end of June, you know. So we got time. So if you guys have questions that you want to have answered uh, on the podcast, or maybe you've had some questions that I've missed over the last month or two as I've been focused on, you know, B John Robinson things or whatever, uh, please submit those, resubmit those if you need uh, to have those questions answered via Twitter or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, via email at mail.com. Of course, you can leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel, or you can hit me up in the Discord of lockdown falcons the link in the description below so when we're talking about pass rush and pressure and we talk about these simulated pressures right we talk about the blitzing and whatnot you know these five and six man pressures that uh typically are what we see when people talk about blitzing in the nfl um although you know i do consider the simulated pressures and the crimson creepers and crimson crimson seepers uh, sims and creepers as 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 a element of blitzing although you know i I think most people tend to define blitzing as bringing five or more guys but you know despite all of this thing we're probably going to be relying mostly on the four guys up front to do the bulk of the heavy lifting when it comes to generating pressure and our four man pass rush which you know we'll label as grady and the boys uh dirty mike (laughs) sorry that popped in my head uh uh dirty grady and the boys um Know the question is going to be can they get reliable pressure this year? And if they can, then the Falcons will have to rely a lot less on having to dial up these other ways to try to you know attack quarterbacks with the Sims, the creepers, and the outright blitzes. And if those guys can't get pressure, uh then the Falcons are gonna have to rely heavily on their on the ways to manufacture pressure in the ways that we're talking about in today's episode, and that also has its problems because a lot of that is particularly when you're bringing, you know, extra rushers relies heavily on your your guys on the back and the hold up. Right. You know, again, this goes back to the live by the sword, die by the sword thing is like you, the generally speaking, the downfall of the blitz is you opens yourself up to big plays, Right. Um, So if you have, you know, if the offense knows it's coming and you have a weaker defensive back in coverage, that's isolated one-on-one now in these situations, you may get burned again. You live by the sword, die by the sword. So I think, you know, my expectation for the Falcons pass rush this year is that they will do an adequate job of getting pressure with four guys. Um, Whether that be traditionally or with simulated pressures, Um, you know, I'm expecting somewhere between 35 and 45 sacks this year. You know, I'm hoping that number gets to 40 plus, right? I'm pretty confident it will get to at least 35, you know, 34, I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, and roughly league average, the last couple of years has been between that 38 to 40 sack range. And, uh, that's an accomplishment if the Falcons can hit that because you guys know, and I know and everybody that's rooted for the Falcons for any amount of time knows that they have rarely featured a league average pass rush over the last couple of years, uh, over the last couple of decades, right? 2017 was the only year since 2008 that the Falcons had more sacks in a given season than what the league average was in that given season. So it was 2008, Matt Ryan's rookie year, 2017. And now, you know, so one time in the last 15 or so years, twice, technically, I guess in the last 16 seasons. Um, So when we talk about Sims and creepers and blitzes, you know, they're not going to suddenly be the thing that magically gets the Falcons, all the pressure in the world, as I said, right. Right. We ran a bunch of simulated pressures, according to Nate Tyson and, and Robert Mays, last year, right? The last two years, right? But we didn't get a ton of pressure that way. And, and you know, that was something that we discussed quite a bit on the podcast, um, where it was like, yeah, they're, they're running stuff. They're trying stuff, but they just don't really have the guys that are getting home when they run that stuff. And, and I think that's owed to not necessarily having great guys up front, as well as not having guys great on the background. And the hope is that with the improvements that the Falcons have made in both of those areas up front and on the back end, that those times when we dial those things up will be more effective this year than they have been the last couple of years. Now, um, as I say, Sims, Creepers, Blitzes, all this stuff is really more supplemental to what you do defensively. Although, you know, that's not something that you can really live on in the NFL, although Wink Martindale defensive coordinator of the New York Giants, Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator of Denver Broncos, and and Brian Flores, defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, would probably disagree with me on that because historically their defenses have kind of been very, very reliant on on bringing lots and lots of pressure all the time. Um, And when you think about schemes that are kind of defined by the fact that they like to dial up blitzes and simulated pressures quite a bit, um, those three DCs come to mind as well as, you know, Steve Wilkes, now with the San Francisco 49ers that are kind of defined by their tendency to blitz it. That's kind of the, the thing that stands out about it when you say the Steve Wilkes scheme, you know, it's a lot of zone blitzes and, and whatnot. So um, I don't think that's going to be the case here with Ryan Nielsen. I don't think we're going to be defined by our ability to dial up these simulated pressures and blitzes and whatnot. Um, and frankly, again, the numbers seem to suggest that we'll, we might run it less This year than we have the last couple of years uh, based off of the Saints metric. But again, hopefully the Falcons will be able to get away with that because of their ability, you know, Dirty Grady and the boys uh, to be able to get that pressure. So we know that the Falcons will run it sometimes because, you know, I don't think they would have signed Caden Ellis if they weren't planning on doing it at least a decent amount this year. And again, what what exactly is a decent amount? Is that the 20th most the 14th most the fourth most who knows but at least a decent amount whatever we define that as uh because we know that with kane ellis one of the big sticking points for him before he hit free agency was he wanted to sign with a team that was going to let him rush the quarterback uh and he chose to sign with the atlanta falcons so presumably he'll get that opportunity to rush the quarterback and you know another player that will be interesting to see what he can do when he gets those opportunities troy anderson Because we go back to that Week 18 game where the Falcons dialed up a bunch of pressure against Tom Brady. Troy Anderson was the player that benefited the most in that game. I know Pro Football Focus had him with five pressures in that game. My charting had him with six pressures in that game. Four of those came on the five Sims that the Falcons ran in that game. And then two more came on the five Creepers that the Falcons ran in that game. Timmy Horn, I think, had the fifth pressure on the other Sim. And I think Michael Walker was the only other guy to get pressure on one of those creepers. And again, that speaks to the fact that the Falcons were in five creepers and only got pressure three times uh, on that. You know, that's actually a pretty good rate relative to some of the other games that we saw last year. Um, And so it'll be a nice wrinkle that when defenses are like, Oh no, Cade Ellis is coming, um, you know, to to throw Troy Anderson in, in the mix there in those situations to keep offenses on their toes this upcoming season. So, you know, going back to what we started the episode talking about and and why defensive play calling, you know, is less important. It's not to sit here and say that defensive play calling doesn't matter. It's just a little bit overblown, right? You know, going back to the castle analogy, you know, you can have the best strategist in the world, but your ability to withstand that castle siege really will boil down to, you know, your defenders fighting off the attacker, the attackers, whether they come over the wall, under the wall or through the wall. Right. Uh, Ultimately, you know, not to be too graphic, but you know, you're going to have to strap on the armor, pick up your sword or your spear and kill those guys. Right. Like that's really what it's going to boil down to. You just, you're just going to have to kill each and every one of those people in some form or fashion. So while it's fun and interesting to talk about Ryan Nielsen's scheme, guys, I do think we still have to continue to focus on, the success and failure of this football team is going to be focusing on the guys that are strapping on the armor, Grady and the boys, um, that are going to be standing on the walls that are going to determine whether or not this defense you know, takes a major step this year. And it's going to be interesting to see what new wrinkles Ryan Nielsen is going to bring that may or may not enhance some of these players like a Caden Ellis by getting him those opportunities to rush a quarterback, like a Troy Anderson, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, it's about the Jimmys and the Joes, not necessarily the X's and those. At least that's my opinion. But I would love to be proven wrong. I would love for everybody to be sitting here, you know, nine months from now, talking about how Ryan Nielsen is the greatest defensive um, coach in, in NFL history. And everybody wants to copy the Falcon scheme and all this stuff, similar to the conversation that people were having two years ago about Brandon Saley. But Brandon Saly is a perfect example of this because when you know, he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey in LA, had the best defense in the league. Put him in in LA, the crosstown. <laughs> he's still in LA uh, with the Chargers, and they have one of the worst defenses in the, in the two years that he's been there. And it's not because the Chargers lack talent, it's just, you know, his scheme isn't really suited for the Joey Bosas and the Derwin Jameses of the world like it was for the Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey's. of the world. So it just goes to show that, you know, it's about the players and, you know, maybe, and again, I, I don't want to talk out of turn because, you know, lockdown chargers may have a better insight into this, but, you know, maybe he'd be better suited rather porting his old scheme from the Rams to the chargers and trying to make it work with the chargers players is to try to build a scheme specifically suited to the chargers players, as opposed to that. So that's a whole separate conversation. We're not going to get into that on today's episode, but just illustrating my point that that is, you know, classic example of, why the Jimmys and the Joes matter more than the X's and the O's. But we'll leave that aside uh, for possibly future episodes. Of course, always welcome your guys feedback on any of the things we talked about um, on today's episode. What, what are some of the things that, you know, you're hoping, wanting, expecting to see from Ryan Nielsen's scheme. What are some of the things from a pressure standpoint, etc.? We'll just sort of have to see, uh, but uh, love your feedback. Of course you can do so via Twitter or Facebook at lockdown Falcons via email, Locked Falcons at mail.com. Leave a comment here on LockedOnFalcons' Falcons YouTube channel or hit me up in the Discord uh the link in the description below. So that will do it for us, guys. And appreciate everybody that makes LockedOnFalcons Falcons their first listen. Check out Locked On NFL Draft um, or Locked On NFL for your second listen. Uh, it's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every